Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. And a first sneeze. <laughs> I had to pause there. Unexpected sneezing. Today is Friday, um, January 20th. Had to look. I was going to tell you what time it is, which isn't terribly useful for all of you. Uh, so, let's see. Um, oh, that's what I'm doing all wrong. Let's do this over. Uh, clearly, I'm a little spacey this morning. Um, okay, today is, say it with me, Friday! Woo! Uh, January 20th, 2023. So, um, I did check my list to see if I had anything to say today. Uh, I'm not sure that I do, but we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll think of something. Um, updates on the writing front. Oh, oh, very exciting. We're doing cover reveal today. Woo! Rogue Familiar cover reveal. Uh, should be up everywhere. In fact, I'd better do one thing. Okay, I realized I should go in and put in my link tree, which is mainly on Instagram, uh, the link for the Rogue Familiar pre-order. So yes, I'll put the cover on the show notes. I hope you all love this. I love this cover. I know I keep saying that. So... Um, so yeah, excitement on revealing that cover. I am deep into writing the book. Uh, I know I've been giving updates on that. I had a good day yesterday. I'm getting slowly working up my word count per hour. Um, each day this week, I have added more to it, um, added more to my writing day. So I feel like I'm improving my productivity, which makes me feel better. Um, so I got almost 2000, you know, 50 words shy of 2000, uh, words yesterday, which I know is not my 3000 words, but I'm, I'm increasing. And so that feels good. I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm, I'm at the act one climax. And I think knock on wooden crossing fingers that I will pick up speed from here. Uh, I think I rediscover this every time that writing the first act is just slower for me. I have to get all those stakes set and I know I'm going to have to weave in some stuff when I come back through, but huh, I can do that. Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about things. I'm feeling on a more even keel, uh, feeling like I'm getting back into my zone, like I have not been for some time. <laughs> and yeah, that's a good place to be. So, um, yeah, that's just this, you know, like getting into that story brain, I think makes a big difference. Uh, sort of weekly recap sent off 
the bandit story to agent Sarah. She's excited to read it. I also sent her a little synopsis. Uh, I got all that finished out on Monday. Uh, and then we are going to talk um, on like February 7th. And so we'll see what she says. Uh, that will be an interesting conversation. And you know, it's a funny thing when you're a newbie writer, you think that getting an agent will make all the difference in the world. And, and in some ways it does. I do love having my agent. Um, she is my third agent. For those of you who don't know, the first two, uh, didn't work out, but, uh, Sarah is fabulous, but you know, your agent doesn't automatically become, you know, like your best friend who just waves her or your fairy godmother who like waves their wand and uh, gives you everything that you want professionally. And sometimes Sarah, like with Dark Wizard, you know, she didn't like it um, and she thought she couldn't sell it. And it's done very well for me, but you know, it's, um, it doesn't become all hearts and flowers. It's not this golden thing where, uh, you know, everything just turns up roses and money. Maybe some writers get that with their agents. Actually, I know many who don't, um, you know, and there's just, it's always a, a, you know, it's, it's a fraught relationship. You don't always get, um, I don't know, hearts and flowers. It's not dancing down the rose petal scattered path. So, um, yeah, I'm, I may not have many things to say today. Let's see. I finished Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, I thought the last couple of episodes of this season were not all that I wanted them to be, but at the same time, I'm eagerly looking forward to season two. It's interesting with the first season of a new show, those last couple of episodes, watching them pare down storylines and, um, in some cases eliminate characters that, you know, it's sort of like, okay, well, we're, we're pruning now we're doing the espalier, uh, Espalier right away makes me think of Shadow Wizard and Rogue Familiar, so I kind of have to get my head together around that. I do think it's funny that there is a um, review out there of Shadow Wizard where somebody said that they DNF'd it right away because there was mention of, you know what, let me find this. Okay, so I just happened to see this. I'm often curious about the one-star review. So this is a one-star review and said, um, sex with references to violence and injuries is unacceptable. I quit reading when the characters referred to their sex life as being violent and causing injuries. And these were the heroes of the book. No, thanks. So I don't know why that <laughs> tickles me so much. I think because it's fucking Jatun. Um, the shadow wizard himself. Um, yes, Jadron makes references to when he um, is injured, and I feel like this is not too spoilery, but when he is injured, 
and there is blood all over the bed, he says, there's no way we're going to be able to pass this off as kinky sex. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Sally replies that, that she's not a virgin and because that's the only thing she can think of. It, she may not be a virgin, but she's also not very sexually experienced. Right. So she says, Oh, well that she, um, yeah, that she's thinking in terms of that, that, you know, like she would bleed, you know, from losing virginity. And he's like, Oh, my sweet summer child. Um, and it's, I don't know people with no sense of humor, right? Uh, yes. Chadron does make reference to, um, sex being violent and causing injuries. Uh, Jadron says a lot of things. <laughs> oh, unacceptable. So I don't know. It seems like some people out there just, uh, yeah, taking things very, very, very seriously. I don't know what to say. Anyway, I was amused by that. Um, so something that we were talking about yesterday, um, and it was interesting because it did dovetail into something that I had been, uh, talking about on the podcast yesterday in the morning, um, you know, about the financial emergency and the, what it does when you are monetizing creativity when you are earning your living as a creator and how it affects you. And it, then it came up later in the day on a discord. Let me grab this. Okay. I found it. It was on the Sipwa discord and, uh, someone said, uh, definition of success has been a big question for her in the last couple of months because she used to think that it was making a boatload of money, but now she has that money because she had a series do very well in self-publishing. I happen to know this. Hi, Lisa. And I'm also not as mentally happy and stable as I would like to be. I hope you don't mind me outing you on that. <clears throat> I figure since you say it on a discord. Um, and I think that that's, that's where a lot of us are. Um, you know, I think in our culture, uh, we are led to believe that financial success will make us happy. And I'm still very interested in the statistic and I've brought it up a number of times that my friend dug up for me that by the time you're making about, and this is probably current numbers. So, um, excavators from the future, you'll have to do the translation on this. But that if you're making about $75,000 a year beyond that point, once you start making more than that, your happiness doesn't go up. I'm sure there's other things that improve, but, and I don't know what they're using to measure happiness, but that's, that's what the studies show below that, you know, they could show, you know, as you make more and more money, it does increase your happiness. But after that, your happiness doesn't change. So why is that? And I'm sure it has something to do with, um, you know, like basically being able to afford your life, right? Right. Um, being able to afford having your boiler turn out to be utterly corroded and not working and about to blow up. 
so and I commented and I said I was talking about this on the podcast about monetizing creativity and and I mentioned that uh, Elizabeth Gilbert has talked about this and that I don't agree with her completely Um, but I said I do think there are a lot of dimensions to being a professional creative that aren't widely discussed and a lot of people um, gave this the uh, this to be honest emoji and which I thought was interesting and I was sort of looking at the range of people who said that because uh, a couple of the people who reacted that way uh, are people who are I think would be viewed as being successful so I want to copy off that there's a couple of models to this because there are professional creatives out there who even though they are apparently earning a living doing this right that their source of income the the finances that underpin their life that allow them to live are not coming from that creativity are not coming from that creative outlet um, they have a spouse who is salaried and benefited they have family money they have a trust fund they may have a retirement account um, and all of that is great I mean you know go with them because that's the ideal right we all kind of want to be uh, you know the idea of the patron you know that you live at court and uh, the uh, royalty or the noble lord or lady who looks after you pays all your bills and you just get to be charming and creative obviously there's dancing monkey aspects <laughs> to that business model but you know yeah that's how it works um, there is patreon now and I know some people who are doing well with that uh, and I like the idea of it, but I found that it was distracting me from writing books, which was my primary thing. And if I'm not um, writing books, then I might as well go get a job is the way I was thinking about it. Um, but I think what's not widely discussed is the sense of if you are for example writing the book in order to get it to self-publish it to get it up there and get that revenue coming in to bump your your rank back up again you know you might be worried about the the sales algorithms that you haven't done anything in a while and so you're dropping in the rankings uh, you might have a contract with your traditional publisher and you don't get I've got sneeze again sneezy this morning uh, you know you don't get that next chunk of money until you turn in the manuscript and so you're you're pushing against time to try to get the money to come in because a lot of the way that our finance finances work is time delimited right you know you have to pay your mortgage once a month you have to pay your rent once a month your utilities once a month now there's ways to get around this you can front load you could pay stuff ahead and maybe that would be a good way to do it but rarely are we do we have the luxury of doing that 
uh, unless you're starting out from a really great financial position. I've always loved that idea. I've never quite gotten it to happen. Um, but so, you know, I've talked sometimes about the left brain, right brain differences, which some people want to, you know, say isn't real. But I've mentioned before um, the amazing book called My Stroke of Insight. I did double check the author name by Jill Bolt Taylor, and I will reference it. I think this is an amazing book to read. I feel like everyone should read it. Uh, Jill Bolt Taylor is a neuroscientist, brain scientist. Uh, who had a left brain stroke. And so she was able to have the knowledge to observe what was happening to her. Uh, it's not a long book. It's really worth the read. But one of the things that she found was that her left brain, which is in charge of keeping track of time and um, keeping track of the order of things to do, uh, once that was gone, she became very much all in her right brain, which was this lovely, dreamy place to be where time didn't matter. And when we think about creativity as, you know, that's how creativity feels to me. Like it comes from another place. It's this dreamy thing. It's not time delimited. Uh, creativity doesn't just fountain up upon order. And one thing I was careful to say on the Discord is, unless you view yourself as a widget maker, which I do think that there are people who can um, produce art this way, where they are able to, um, to deliver on demand, however they do that. And I'm not going to disparage that because I think you all know that I'm not hugely into, you know, oh, it's artistic. Um, but I think I thought, like with most things, I fall in the middle. Um, I don't think that you can just uh, recapitulate the plot. You know, uh, I talked, I think, last week about that bizarre review I got where they said that I deserved credit for not copying the plot of the first book. And I was like, okay, yeah. And, and I realized that it was generously meant, but it's like, no, I've never copied a plot. I don't think I could. Um, because that's not why I'm doing what I do. And I think a whole lot of us who want to tell stories for a living, who want to write books, we are in it because we love the storytelling aspect. And that's not something that comes uh, necessarily on demand. And we're working in a society where all of these other factors are requiring us to do it on demand, whether we traditionally publish or self-publish. Um, and I think even people who do have like the loving spouse uh, supporting them, they are often in a place where uh, I certainly know many women like this, where the husbands are saying things like, uh, you know, well, you know, if you haven't been, if you haven't succeeded in a year, then, then we pull the plug. And and they come up with these definitions for what that means. Uh, it's that business-oriented cultural zeitgeist we live in. So anyway, um, I don't know if that made a lot of coherent sense. But I think if you are out there, if you are feeling like 
here you are making the money with the writing, but you're not feeling good about it. You're still feeling the pressure. This is part of why. And I think that, you know, I've come back to this many times, but having a creative outlet that is non-monetized, that you are just allowing the creativity to uh, flow, to be something that you play with and enjoy where you're not attaching it to paying the bills is really important. So um, I'm going to make myself a note to talk about um, husbands more. Um, I've been meaning to say something about that. But I'm going to come back around to that there's a reason that we create that doesn't have to do with money. And um, one of them is my friend who is a multimillionaire, self-made millionaire, um, chief investment officer for uh, a hedge fund company that he founded and runs. Uh, and what's most important to him these days, I wouldn't say most important, but highly important is being creative and writing fiction. And I just think that's really illustrative of something that we can say money isn't the most important thing. And how many people really believe that? Because a lot of people will say it, but they don't actually believe it. But I'm here to tell you, money is not the most important thing. On that note, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I hope you can do something creative and playful that is not about money. And I will talk to you all on Monday. You all take care. Bye-bye.